Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You're listening to Comedy Central. From New York City, the only city in America, it's the show that invented news. This is The Daily Show with your host, Jordan Clipper. Welcome to The Daily Show. I am Jordan Clipper. It's my last night hosting the show tonight. It's also 420. What an emotional roller coaster we just went on. We got a great show for you tonight, so let's get into headlines. There's so much news that I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk about Elon Musk's rocket exploding four minutes after launch, which doesn't make it a successful flight, but does make it a successful metaphor. And to the haters who said Musk couldn't possibly destroy something faster than Twitter, joke's on you. Yeah. Also, also, I wanted to talk about the presidential race and how Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the famous anti-vaxxer, launched a primary campaign against Joe Biden. If you ask me, it's pretty bold to build your entire campaign on being anti-vaccine, since so many of the people who might vote for you are already dead. But, unfortunately, we can't spend time on any of that because there's another thing going on, and surprise, surprise, it's gun violence. Now, I don't want to spend every day this week talking about guns, but this is America, and it's not giving me a choice. Because maybe you've noticed that a lot of this week's gun violence had something in common. They are the things that happen all the time. A mixed-up address, pulling into the wrong driveway, or confusing one car from another. Yet remarkably, for a third time in a week, seemingly innocent moments of confusion have led to bloodshed. From Kansas City, where a teen who approached the wrong doorstep is recovering from two bullet wounds. To New York State, where a 20-year-old woman was fatally shot after the car she was in accidentally drove up the wrong driveway. And now in Elgin, Texas, a high school 
cheerleader has been shot and seriously wounded after her friend apparently approached the wrong car. Police say Peyton Washington and Heather Roth were in a parking lot when Roth opened a car she thought was one of their own and saw a man inside. Roth says the man started firing as she was apologizing. Does anyone else watching these stories feel like they're losing their goddamn minds? Yeah. I mean, call me old-fashioned. Whatever happened to asking a person one f***ing question? Are you confused about why a stranger is at your house? Before you open fire, open your mouth and just ask them, can I help you? It's not that hard. Look, I... I know you have Second Amendment rights, America, but you also have First Amendment rights. Use them. See, we're paying attention to them now. We pay attention now because a few of them happened in one week. But what's wild is these wrong place shootings happen all the time. Because America is a country where every day, too many people are armed, scared, and end up using lethal force because Google Maps didn't update. I mean, what does it say when the most dangerous job in America is Jehovah's Witness? <laughs> You know what? You know how bad things have gotten? Remember that couple in St. Louis, the McCloskeys? A couple of years ago, they went out onto their front yard and pointed their guns at protesters. And they got a lot of shit for it. But you know what? They didn't fire on anybody. And I never thought I'd say this, but please, America, be more like these gun nuts. <laughs> All right, that's enough. All right, let's move on to something else that's quintessentially American. People losing their shit on airplanes. We turn now to a Southwest passenger's outburst over a crying baby that forced the plane to land before its destination. This morning, it's a midair meltdown of epic proportions aboard one Southwest flight, not just from the baby on board, but also from an adult passenger. We are in a tin can with a baby in a goddamn echo chamber, and you want to talk to me about being... Okay. Okay, because you're, you're yelling. So is the baby. So is the baby. I don't care what the situation is. That is never a strong argument. Oh, oh, so a baby can poop its pants in public, but I'm getting thrown out of this TJ Maxx. Yeah, this guy totally lost it. I mean, somebody should have checked their emotional baggage. <laughs> it's Southwest, that's an extra 50 bucks. Uh, this story raises a lot of questions about passenger behavior and parental responsibilities. And I wanna dig into all these angles with the greatest news team in the world. Let's go to the airport right now with Roy Wood Jr. Roy! Attendants, what did the flight attendant say? Oh, this is so good. Oh my god. Roy, Roy, Roy you huh? you inter you interviewed the flight attendants, right? Yeah, yeah, I was I was I was gonna interview them, but what? damn, why is it so good? It's so small, but it's so good. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, what, what's going on, Roy? <laughs> Look, look, Jordan, I just wanted to relax a little bit. It's 420. It's 420. So, so, I, 
Down up 420. I just smoked a, smoked a little bit of weed, and then I smoked a whole lot more. Oh, 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 oh. You're high during the show. Come on, man. The news is so depressing out there. I just needed a break. Plus, it's Black History Month, man. Back up off me. Man. Roy, you, you literally just told me it's 420. Th- that is April. Is that what the fall stands for? Damn it, Roy. Damn it. I'm disappointed. Sorry, folks. It's very unprofessional. Let's just, let's go to Southwest headquarters to get the corporate reaction from our own Desi Lydic. Desi. Desi. Desi, is Southwest policy on baby attendance going to change? There's an even bigger question here, Jordan, which is, how do planes even fly? <laughs> like, they have wings, but the wings don't flap. I've never seen a plane take off like this. God damn it, Desi, are you high? What? No. I mean, yes, but on weed. I'm not like high in a plane. Is that what you meant? No, that's not what I meant. Honestly, Desi, folks, look, I'm sorry. This is a total lack of professionalism. You deserve better. It's unbelievable. Let's let's try this one more time. Michael Costa, are you there with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course I am, Jordan. I'm Michael Costa. Yeah. And, and don't you worry, because I'm not high on weed. I'm high on uh, cocaine, okay? Come on, let's go. Woo! It's very illegal. Yeah, well, don't you worry. It's, a, it's, it's, it's medicinal. I bought it behind a Walgreens, so we're good. Did you at least interview anyone? Oh, oh, buddy, I interviewed everyone. I interviewed the guy. I interviewed the baby. I interviewed every piece of luggage. I interviewed myself. That was interesting. And I'm going to interview the plane once it lands on this runway. Woo! Wait, how did, how did you... How did you get on an active runway? It was easy. There was a door. It was unlocked. It was basically unlocked. You just walk through, punch a security guard, and then you're here. You're there. You're the Guys, get out of there. Get it's not safe. Don't worry, dude. I can't physically die, okay? I see the plane coming. But bring it on. Bring it on. Let's go. Hey, is there another Cinnabon? What is that? Roy, he's coming. Roy. What, are you doing? Roy. what are you doing? There's a plane coming. Roy. Roy. Wait, but how do they get this person in the bun? I don't know. It's so good. How did you even get that? You weren't even at the airport. Oh, I flew. This does work. Is that, this is why you should start an airline. Did I tell you about the time that we yeah. could do the flight? You could be in the back. You know what? You get go the ahead food and get hit by a plane. plane. I can't believe you all got high at work without me. Desi, Roy, and Michael, everyone. When we come back, we'll talk about finding the solution to Andrew Tate. Don't go away. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that 3-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. 
Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. job, I talk to a lot of men. A lot of dumb men. We treat women with respect here. Yes, we do. That's an American ideal. Yeah. Tell me about your shirt. What's it say? It says, (laughs) Hillary sucks. (laughs) But not like Monica. Read the transcript right. Have you read the transcript? I have not read it. Look at the transcript, right? Yeah, look at the transcript. Have you read the transcript? Uh... I, I trust the word of our president, yeah. Come on, fake news, what you got? Go find yourself a safe space. Let me get this straight. You're yelling at me to find a safe space and you have elevated yourself with a megaphone and you have a shield. Uh-huh. Uh, we, uh, you know, we never kept in touch. But outside of my job interviewing dumb men, I'm also the father of a young son. And as a father, my biggest goal is to not end up interviewing my son as part of my job. (laughs) Make sure that happens, he's gonna need some help. And that's what I wanna talk about in tonight's Long Story Short. America is in the midst of some long overdue changes around gender and power. Re-examining ideas of masculinity, femininity, the spectrum in between, and how fluid it all is. It's a difficult and necessary conversation. But luckily for us, we get to have these nuanced debates on Twitter. Now, (laughs) this cultural change is important, and I'm glad it's happening. But when there is a cultural shift, it's easy to get lost within it. And even though it feels strange to say this, a group that is being left out is young boys. And I know, I know, I know, a war on men? I sound like I'm on a network that just got sued out of $780 million. (laughs) But, I know, I know. Jokes on you, Comedy Central doesn't have that kind of cash. (laughs) My point is, we've had a great conversation about what men shouldn't be. Men shouldn't be toxic. They shouldn't be overly aggressive. They shouldn't pay a porn star to keep quiet about an affair they had right after their son was born. It's a high, high bar. (laughs) But we haven't been showing men what they should be. And that matters to young boys who are looking for an identity, for a a narrative about what it means to be a man. And that vacuum is being filled by people with the worst possible idea of manhood. Former kickboxer and Big Brother contestant Andrew Tate, infamous for being the self-proclaimed king of toxic masculinity. Tate's core message centers around the belief that masculinity is in the crosshairs. And he's defending it. His target audience, young men. This whole idea of being toxically masculine is complete garbage. I think the most dangerous men on earth are the weak men. Feel, 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 feel. Leave the feelings to the girls, right? That's what they do. We act. We're men of action. Empowering females is the easiest way to weaken the will of men. Study, study, study. Give up your whole life in school. Then you get to be a doctor. You can't even buy a mother sports car. The problem with most of you is that I am sitting here with my sunglasses, bald head, millions of dollars, nearly unmatched fighting skills. I am Morpheus. I need action. I need constant chaos in my life to feel content. I need to be driving a supercar and fighting a bunch of champagne and going crazy. Okay, 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 we get it. You have a small penis. 
even through the video, you can tell this guy wears too much cologne. <laughs> and by the way, not to tarnish his sparkling image, but Andrew Tate is currently under investigation for human trafficking. I know, it's always the first one you suspect. <laughs> now, maybe you don't know Andrew Tate. Maybe you're thinking, who is this porn parody Vin Diesel? <laughs> you may not know him, but trust me, your sons do. With over 13 billion views on TikTok, Tate's rhetoric is moving from online to the classroom. So I'm a teacher and I teach sixth grade. The amount of young 11-year-old boys that have told me that they love Andrew Tate is ridiculous. One teacher says she hears blatant misogyny from the boys in her class, hearing them say that girls belong in the kitchen and only exist for reproduction and another claiming they talk about alphas in sixth grade now. One teacher in South London noticed that uh, his students were parodying Tate's ideology. About a third of the 30 students in the class passionately argued that women were responsible for their own sexual assaults, one of Tate's top lines. Wow, times have really changed. When I was in sixth grade, the most toxic role model for boys was Michelangelo. <laughs> He eats pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That turtle doesn't give a f <laughs> Seriously, how can you be misogynistic in sixth grade? That's like the one year in life where all the girls are bigger than you. <laughs> I wouldn't be running my mouth about Allison if Allison could hang me by my underwear on the flagpole. <laughs> the solution to this problem is not to cancel Andrew Tate. Interpol is probably gonna do that for us. Because even if he disappeared, even if he disappeared, someone else would take his place and spew toxic shit at young boys just as well. And social media algorithms would pump it into young boys' eyes and ears just as fast. Because that's really all this is about. Andrew Tate is not interested in being a role model. He wants clicks for money. He doesn't want to raise your son. He's taking dad's seat at the table, but he's really the loudmouth uncle. That uncle who seems cool when you're a kid, but when you grow up, you realize living in a hotel is not a vacation. <laughs> what we need is an alternative, positive narrative for young men to follow. And it's ironic that these guys are talking about taking the red pill and using these matrix metaphors, because if you're looking for a complex, emotionally available male role model to counter their bullshit idea of manhood, just look at the guy who took the red pill, Keanu Reeves. This, this is a man who is wildly considered to be kind and decent. He donates huge sums of money to cancer research. He gives up his seat to uh, women on the subway. He bought Sandra Bullock champagne and truffles because she had never had them before. He's the perfect man. <laughs> Maybe his movies glorify gun violence, but nobody's perfect. And. That makes him even more perfect because our children shouldn't strive for perfection. That will only make them sad. <laughs> and those movies sometimes are pretty cool. The point is, young boys need a cultural role model who is kind and comfortable in his skin. Not guys who are so fragile in their masculinity that they can't puff a cigar without putting it on every social media platform like they invented fire. <laughs> Hell, Keanu Reeves, he isn't even on social media. That's how healthy he is. So. So as a society, we have two options. We can either follow Keanu Reeves around and put everything he does on TikTok, or, probably better, we make sure that the conversation about modern society includes a role for men that young boys can look up to. Because long story short, 
If we don't talk to our boys, Andrew Tate is going to talk to them. And that means 10 years from now, I'm going to be talking to them. All right. Stay tuned. When we come back, Ryan Holiday will be joining me on the show. Don't go away. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. is considered one of the leading stewards of Stoic philosophy. He's behind the Daily Stoic, Stillness is the Key, The Obstacle is the Way, and much more. Please welcome Ryan Holiday. Thank you for having me. Ryan, I'm, I've, I've been a fan of yours for quite some time. You're, you're a popular man. Twelve best-selling books. Uh, that's a lot of books. That's almost more books than I've read. Uh, but you have a lot of fans out there, uh, from uh, very successful comedians like myself to folks in the NFL to senators. Sort of what you speak to goes across uh, many aisles, if you will. And I will say I've taken uh, a lot from some of the ideas you have. Uh, uh, I will also say that you kind of you talk about philosophy, and it helps me work through life. And then. A byproduct is that I go home and I tell my wife how she should work through life. That's a great um, idea. Yeah. And I'm just before we get started, I'm wondering if it's possible for you to apologize to my wife for me. People ask my wife what it's like living with a Stoic philosopher, and she usually answers, I don't know. That feels Socratic, but yes. mostly maybe it's just passive aggressive. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> one of us writes about it, and then the other is sort of naturally it. It kind of lives it. Yes. For those who don't know a Stoic philosopher, what, what are the tenets of Stoicism? Stoicism, if I had to summarize it in one sentence, I would say it's this idea that we don't control what happens to us in life, but we control how we respond to what happens in life. And the Stoics say that basically every situation, big ones, small ones, ones you wanted, ones you didn't want, it's all an opportunity to respond with these four virtues. Mm -hmm. The virtues are courage, discipline, justice, and wisdom. So the idea is that that is what life is asking from you. One or all of those virtues in some kind of a combination that's what it's demanding of you. And what's cool about the Stoics is, like, I think when people hear philosopher, they think, like, you know, a tweed jacket or an old white guy in a toga or whatever. Sure. Um, but, yeah. but, but the Stoics were 
were philosophers, they were thinkers, but they were also doers. The most well-known Stoic is Marcus Aurelius, who's the emperor of Rome, the philosopher king. But there were Stoics who were slaves, who were soldiers, who were artists. There were men and women. They were people trying to do what we're all trying to do, which is make sense of the crazy world that we right. live in. Right. But uh, this image of them, the, the yes. Marcus Aurelius, doesn't seem like the most modern person that people are, are drawn to. Why, why, why do you think there's, uh, don't get me wrong, uh, <laughs> why do you think there's resonance today? Yeah, I mean, we have a hard time. We're, we're kicking Rosa Parks out of libraries in Florida, so it feels like trying. To, I mean, maybe the fact that it's a white guy from back in the day makes it easier in places like Florida. Uh, but I think we have a hard time with grappling with historic ideas. These feel archaic. Why are they resonant? I, I actually think that life hasn't changed that much, good and bad. Right? Obviously, we made all sorts of progress in 2,000 years, and at the same time, life is still life. Like in, in one passage in Meditations, Marx Realis is like. When you're struggling to get out of bed in the morning and you go, but it's so much warmer here under the covers. He goes, but is this what you were put here to do, to stay under the covers and be warm? He says, no, you have a purpose. You should help people. You should make a positive difference in the world. You should do what you're you know, uniquely suited to do. So even 2,000 years ago, the most powerful man in the world was like, ah, I don't want to get up. It's too early. Mm -hmm. And that's because he was a person. And Marcus also lived through a pandemic. He lived uh, through social unrest. Uh, there was an insurrection and a coup, right? Is, some of this might be sounding familiar. Mm -hmm. um, so, the, so, at least the laziness does. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Uh, life is life. People are people. And for better or for worse, that's going to always stay the same. It feels like what is active? I mean, there's, there's, there's been philosophy for at least 20 years. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll fact check that, but I know it's been around yeah. a while. Uh, there's many tenets of philosophy. It feels like an element of stoicism is that it feels actionable yes. uh, uh, around your emotions. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you're, it's not this thing that you think about. It's this thing you're supposed to do, mm -hmm. right? So some of the Stoics, the, the, the great Stoics, never wrote anything down. They were considered Stoics because of how they lived. It was the idea of deeds, not words. Mm -hmm. So yes, I struggle with it in my own life, but I try to actually put the ideas into practice. They're not, philosophy, it's a shame if we think of philosophy as a series of thought exercises, right? How do we know if we're living in a computer simulation, right? Or is there such a thing as right and wrong? Like we can use it to, to answer these abstract, impractical questions, or, or we can use it as a way to make things impossibly complicated, or we can use it to really simplify things and go, who am I? What am I supposed to do? How do I make the best out of this complicated, messy situation? That's what I think philosophy is. And it's, it's a shame that so few people have access to it or that it's been made accessible to them in a way that would help them make better decisions and be better people. All right, help me, help me through this. Then. Okay. All right, so real life philosophy. I'm. <laughs> I'm with, I'm with my son at a store, and he throws a shit fit, uh, <laughs> and is screaming and doesn't want to leave, uh, and I'm embarrassed, I'm exhausted. How do I use philosophy in a moment like that? Well, I think what we do is we don't do what the guy on the plane did, which is throw... <laughs> Which is throw our own tantrum in response, right? Right. So first off, the he was more like a Nietzsche guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know where he studied, but um, <laughs> the the idea is we only control ourselves, right? Uh -huh. So our kids throwing a tantrum, and we have to say, okay, I'm not going to make this situation worse by freaking out. I'm also going to say I'm going to strip out 
the the part of me from my own upbringing from society that says this is a reflection on me as a person right that it's reflecting that i'm i'm a failure i'm embarrassing myself everyone's looking at me everyone who has kids knows exactly what's happening and they're too busy with their own life to even think about you for the most part mm -hmm. and then i think another part of it is understanding why they're feeling that way mm -hmm. right which is hey they don't want to be doing this, right? Life is hard. It's hard to be a two-year-old, right? And, and, and when we understand that people are dealing with their own crap, right? It gives us empathy and passion and compassion and patience for those people. And so you can try to think, well, why do they think this is a good way to respond? What are they trying to get? How do I resolve the situation as opposed to solving it with force, solving it with, you know, rushing out of the situation or just having a meltdown because the whole thing is overwhelming mm -hmm. to you? Now, we're regulating emotions here using stoicism, but are we just creating robots? Like, is this Elon no. Musk te territory here? No, no, no. Stoicism is not about making you a better sociopath. Okay. It's not. Yeah. A which, one, <laughs> which one is that? Where, what, what book is that? Do you know? Yeah. Is, that, is that Kierkegaard? I, uh, I think Andrew Tate has some videos Andrew about Tate. This. It's an Andrew Tate. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. The, the, the idea is not that you suppress the emotions. It's that you don't over, be overwhelmed by the situations and make decisions from those emotions, right? So there's a difference between being angry, right? And then doing something out of anger. And I think this is an important distinction that we can miss in the moment. Someone did something that's upsetting, that's annoying, that caught you off guard. You're gonna have your immediate reaction, but there's a lot of space between that and hitting send on the uh, email that you wrote dressing them down, right? Um, or, you know, you're, you're getting mad at your kid because they're having the meltdown and you can stop yourself part of the way through because you're older, because you've been, you know, you, you know what this looks like. And so the idea is have the emotions, process the emotions, try not to make bad decisions from those emotions and, and that we have power along this spectrum. Now, there's a criticism of stoicism, too, about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is there I think what I appreciate with some of this is the idea that it, it, it takes response and it breaks it down in little bits and pieces. Uh, and I know this main tenet that like being aware of what you can control and what you cannot and being able to let go of the things you cannot control. I think a criticism of stoicism is if you look at, is it a philosophy that comes from a place of privilege? Sure. Uh, for people that are in situations where, uh, where uh, even institutional situations, you look at things like racism, uh, activism movements, where like, uh, the situation that they cannot control is one that is in inherently oppressive. Uh, is stoicism teaching you how to accept those things and not push back? Uh, is there inherent privilege in there? It's hard to get more privileged than the emperor of Rome, sure. right? Mm -hmm. But the, the philosopher that influences Marcus Aurelius more than any other philosopher who he quotes in his writings all the time is this guy named Epictetus, who is a slave. The exact opposite of Marcus. You have extreme power and you have extreme powerlessness. And yet, they're all human beings. They're all dealing with the hand that life deals, uh, deals us. And they're trying to make the best of it and trying to have the most impact that they can in the world despite and because of that, right? So the, the Stoics uh, occupy a, a, a wide range of positions in society, but most of all, the Stoics are active in public life. In fact, this is the big distinction. People have heard of the word Epicurean or the Epicureans. Yeah. The, the, uh, the Epicureans sort of retreat from public life. They study philosophy and they go, let's just hang out in this cool garden. We'll drink, we'll have fun, we'll enjoy life. We'll, we'll not be disturbed by things. We'll, we'll, we'll do our own thing. Well, the Stoics say, but 
if you do that, who does that seed the field to? Like you were saying in your thing, it seeds it to the worst people. And the Stoics' idea is that uh, unless something prevents them, they will get involved in public life. They will try to contribute. They will try to make a positive difference. And this is why the Stoics were influential, influential to the founders, you know, in the Renaissance. All throughout history, the Stoics have been involved in social movements and positive change making because Yes, there's a lot we don't control, but we do control what we do, right? We control whether we vote, whether we go out to a protest, whether we speak out about something, right? So courage is one of the virtues. Justice is another virtue. Discipline is a virtue. And then wisdom is a virtue. All of these, I think, propel us into being informed and then being active in the world. How do we utilize something like this? So I... Uh, I go on the road, I talk to a lot of folks, and I get into infuriating conversations more often than not. Yeah. <laughs> People ask me, how do you deal with something like yeah. that? And I, I, I do go to philosophy. I go to uh, bourbon as well. Uh, <laughs> a hell of a philosophy. I don't know if you know the, uh, the philosopher Booker's, he's great. Uh, uh, McCallan is a great one, a Scottish philosopher, he's great. Um, um, but I, I do find uh, elements of like, uh, again, controlling your response mm -hmm. and your temper uh, and also empathy help me get out of things like that. Yeah. People also, I talk to a lot of people who are really frustrated with what's going on. Yeah. Both sides of the aisle, it's, they're scary times. Um, uh, people turn to God. I think less and less people are turning to God. Like, what do you say and what can people find in, in philosophy, in Stoic philosophy that can help them, that can provide a balm to two days where you wonder just how long well, we're going to be able to fight this battle, whether it's climate change, whether it's democracy, whether it's just getting up in the morning. Yeah, philosophy at its best is what they call the guide to the good life, to human flourishing, not just to happiness, but productivity and purpose and meaning uh, and and being able to endure suffering and pain and loss as, as we all have to go through in life. But I, I, I think if, if, we, if we can see philosophy as something we lean on, something that gives us counsel, that's really helpful. Not as this thing that only people in universities do, but that it's, it's like they're there for all of us. I think one of the problems is as those other systems have fallen away, whether people are turning away from the church or they're disillusioned with higher education or they're disillusioned with the media, like where do they go? Mm -hmm. They go to random stuff on the internet and a lot of those people are grifters or they're trying to weaponize those feelings or those doubts or those emotions of those people. And so, you know, people end up down these dead ends and, and we can pity them, but also understand that, like, that's not a good way to go. How do you, I mean, because you're, you're all over the internet. You, you're, you're, you, have, you have newsletters, you put on Instagram videos all the time. I think you've taken something that seems to live in libraries, uh, in, in dusty back, back rooms, and you brought it to people's phones. How do you balance uh, using a medium that has zero depth and is destroying our conversations, but also is the way in which you can talk to kids in 20 second snippets. I, I do think it's important that we go to people where they are, mm -hmm. right? And, and take what we think is important, what needs to be said, and find out how to, in the, in the same way that I don't speak Latin or Greek, I read the translations of those texts. We have to figure out how to translate these ideas that we want kids to understand, that we want young people to understand, that, that we need sort of permeating through our culture. We have to figure out how to translate those into the different mediums where people get their information. And so I love hearing that someone discovered me on YouTube or on Instagram, and then they're like, and then I read your books. Because that's what, that's the that's medium. That's you get paid. <laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. But that's. I get it. I get it. <laughs> 
that's the medium that human beings have been learning about big ideas for a really long time, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Books are where we books are the I think one of the best mediums to to really meditate on something or think about something over a long period of time, right? As opposed to something that's bite sized. And so I think it's important that we drive people towards books and reading and big ideas and things that are not always of the moment. Mm-hmm. I like it. I actually. I don't. I. I don't think that's articulated enough to use social media as a conduit to something that has more depth. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Andrew Tate on this show, um, and, and I am a father. You have a book, The Daily Dad, that is coming out. Um, how do you use these things to be a better dad, to create better humans, to make this world a better place? Yeah, first off, I mean, we have to model this stuff. The Stokes. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, so oh. the hardest part. <laughs> Shit. Epictetus says, don't talk about your philosophy, embody it, right? My kids aren't going to read my books. Sounds like a real fun one to hang out with. They're never going to read the books, right? Uh So what matters is, do I live the books at my house, right? And and how do we model the things we want our kids to be? And I think politically and culturally, that's a big thing a lot of people my age are dealing with is, how do you respond to the fact that your parents apparently didn't believe a lot of the things they grew up talking to you about Mm -hmm. because they're willing to throw their vote to a carnival barker, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. uh, they want to win elections, right? Like, how, how do you deal with that? It's not even a hypocrisy, but it's 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 a sort of, uh, it's an insincerity, I guess, right? And mm-hmm. so what really matters is do we model things and do we show that we're sincere and we really, like, put value, we, we put stock in the things that we pay lip service to. Do you feel there's, like, a parenting crisis in America? Well, I, I, think, I think people are struggling with uh, the fact that their parents are struggling, whether it's, you know, they get sucked down some internet rabbit hole mm-hmm. or, you know, they're having to work longer than they thought. I, 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 do, I, do, I do think there is a problem. Uh, there's a problem in every generation, but it's not just the millennials and the young people that are struggling. You right. know what I mean? Right. There's a joke I heard that, um, you know, all the things that my parents warned us about, that warned us was going to happen to us on the internet, it happened to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a question to a, a healthy philosophical diet. Obviously, you talk a lot about stoicism, but for people who are interested, myself included, it, one, they should go towards your books. They should go to the ideas of Marcus Aurelius, uh, Epictetus, uh, Seneca, uh, things of that nature. But also, is it healthy to indulge in, in other great philosophers? Do you find yourself like? Do you find yourself having to be defined by one particular philosophy? No, we should read widely. We should put anything to use that's good for us. Mm-hmm. One of the Stoics, Seneca, he says, "Read like a spy in the enemy's camp." Mm-hmm. Right? He says, "I'll quote a bad author if the line is good." Right? So it doesn't matter who said it. What matters is is it, is it true and does it help you get better at being a parent a person a professional whatever it is mm-hmm. is it of use that's what matters if you had to replace a philosophy quote if you had to replace live laugh love one of my faves <laughs> one of my faves uh, what should I if I take that down from my living room You're looking for a sign at home goods I need a nice sign at home what should I look at every day Marcus opens book two of meditations with Uh, a thought. He says, today the people you will meet will be jealous and stupid and annoying and obnoxious and mean, right? He goes on. (laughs) He's he's preparing for the day ahead, right? Um, And so some people think this is depressive stoicism at its best, but then he, he goes, 
but you can't hate them and you can't let them implicate you in ugliness. He says, because we're meant to work together. We're like uh, two rows of teeth or two hands and that we're all part of this large thing together and that some people are fulfilling their role by being the kind of people that you have to interview. And then the rest of us are doing the best we can. Uh, and, and that is life. I love it. And that is life. Ryan Holiday, everybody. Be sure to check out The Daily Show's website and podcast and his latest book, The Daily Dad. It's available for pre-order now. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. That's our show for tonight. And that's my time as your host this week. But tune in next week for your host, Desi Lydic. Explore more shows from The Daily Show podcast universe by searching The Daily Show wherever you get your podcasts. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.